Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. Christ is all things, and in all people. Sounds nice, doesn't it? But I wonder if we really believe it. Is Christ a mosquito? Is Christ the heat and humidity of Houston summers? Is Christ in our relatives who voted twice for Trump? Or Trump himself? Is Christ in Franco, Hitler, Mussolini, Pol Pot, every miserable and evil person who has ever lived who dedicated their lives to the accumulation of wealth and power while causing great pain and suffering even unto death for hundreds, thousands, sometimes millions of people? Is Christ in the owners and employees of prison companies who profit from mass incarceration? in the oil and gas executives who have sought for decades to conceal, erase, and manipulate scientific data on the threat of climate change and the correlation to fossil fuel use. We can imagine many things and people in which it might be hard for some of us to sense the presence of Christ. Our baptismal vows encourage us to seek Christ in all persons, and sometimes that seeking can be arduous. I was talking the other day with a friend of mine who is a documentary filmmaker. He is working on a project about the Parkland School Massacre, and he asked if I see Christ in Nicholas Cruz, the young man who, at 19, murdered 17 people and injured 17 others at Stoneman Douglas High School. To be honest, it is challenging, if not impossible, to see the light 
of the world and someone who has done something so monstrous. It is easier to hold compassion for the victims and their families, even if comprehending such agony is its own form of assiduous spiritual exercise. When my friend isn't working on films, he serves as a mitigation specialist for a public defender's office. His assignment is to meet with the families and friends of juveniles who have been convicted of capital crimes. After conducting thorough interviews, he puts together a narrative which he then presents to the sentencing judge. The goal of this work is to assure that the sentencing judge doesn't simply consider the crimes, as horrible as they might be, or the prior offenses of the young people who have been convicted. The judge is required to learn minute and intimate details about the lives of the people they are about to sentence. They hear of childhoods filled with laughter and pain, favorite serials and damaging deprivations. So when they decide the future of each individual, how many years she or he will serve in federal prison, the judge must look. Not just at sentencing guidelines and their own ethical convictions, but the fullness of the life presented to them. That, I think, is the mission Paul asks us to accept at the end of the passage that we heard from the letter to the church in Colossea. When we are about to pass judgment on someone or something, we must consider that Christ is present in the mewling cat, the barking dog, the smelly skunk, the mean or annoying person in our midst. This mission isn't without perils, and it's not an invitation to overlook or ignore or minimize violence. We can say Christ is in someone who causes harm without identifying Christ with the harm itself. I'm going to turn to food as an analogy, as I want to do. We might have all the ingredients for gumbo the flour, the butter, the garlic and onion, shrimp and scallions, peppers and rice. But until we put in the time and care to whisk the roux and cook everything in the right way, we have a stocked pantry rather than a satisfying meal. Now, I know it's overly simplistic to say that a mass murderer is someone in whom Christ hasn't been fully cooked. But I do think that each one of us has moments in which the presence of Christ is more readily and fully apparent. And the calling of the church is to be encouraged in making those moments more routine as a way of making things on earth as they are in heaven, as Jesus taught us to pray in last week's gospel reading. While we can say with confidence that Christ is Indeed, in all persons, we do many things to camouflage Christ, to deny Christ in ourselves and in others. In today's gospel, we hear of that common mistake to confuse property and possessions 
with the abundant life God desires for us. The passage opens with someone making an impertinent demand of Jesus. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This man says nothing of his relationship with his brother, whether they are close or contentious. Instead, he is focused on what is owned by their parents and how that ownership will be shared between himself and his brother. I think if this man had come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I am hurting because I feel acrimony in my relationship with my brother. We are both anxious about our parents and what will happen when they die. He would have gotten a completely different response, one of compassion and sympathy. Jesus might have even offered to travel with the man to visit the brother and provide counseling, mediation, reconciliation. But because this man focuses on matters that Jesus deems unimportant, he is dismissed. And Jesus then goes on to tell a parable about someone who is so fixated on more, he cannot appreciate enough the abundance that already marks his life. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, this man says to himself as he accrues more and more riches. The man does not view these accumulated blessings as gifts or opportunities for sharing in the commonwealth. He fails to recognize Christ in the things he has acquired. I'm reminded of Mary Oliver's poem, Storage, which goes like this. When I moved from one house to another, there were many things I had no room for. What does one do? I rented a storage space and filled it. Years passed. Occasionally I went there and looked in, but nothing happened. Not a single twinge of the heart. As I grew older, the things I cared about grew fewer, but were more important. So one day, I undid the lock and called the trash man. He took everything. I felt like the little donkey when his burden is finally lifted. Things. Burn them. Burn them. Make a beautiful fire. More room in your heart for love, for the trees, for the birds who own nothing. The reason they can fly. There are many things that keep us from such fires and such flight as the birds. And there are all kinds of reasons, many of them quite sensible, that we cannot see Christ as all things and in all people. But I wonder what it might feel like to make more room in our hearts for love, for the trees. In that effort, we might discover what Jesus describes as being rich toward God. Such richness doesn't fluctuate with recessions or inflations or the countless 
causes of economic anxieties and obsessions. Such richness is pure gift, as free and unfathomable as the gift of life itself. You can find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.